0: We are continuing with our look at the Last Supper that is recorded in John 13 through 17. We covered John 13 last week, and tonight we're going to be looking at John 14. And just so you guys know, we are not going to be hitting John 17. We covered that the last midweek of 2022, so if you're interested or you want to go back and listen to that, that's uh, Jesus, uh, his prayer, um, his high priestly prayer, and you can go back and listen to that. It's the uh, the last midweek of 2022 Um, But you can listen to uh, pretty much all of our our midweeks, all of our Sunday sermons on uh, iTunes or Spotify. You can listen to our Sunday stuff on YouTube as well. But there is a lot in John 14, and we are not going to be able to get to all of it. So we're going to try to cover as much as we can in the time that we have. And uh, we're going to do group prayer at the end. So for those of you that need to leave, feel free to leave. But for those of you that would... Uh, Like to spend some time praying for one another or anything like that. uh, We'll have that time uh, at the end of service. So, we're going to read the first seven verses in John 14. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them up. If you've got your uh, FC app, you can look at the sermon notes. They'll also be on the screen behind me. I'm reading out the ESV in case anyone is wondering. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus starts out, verse 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You gotta think of what's just happened. In the last five minutes of this supper, you have Jesus say that Judas is going to betray him and he dismisses Judas. And then you have Jesus tell Peter that he is gonna deny him three times before the rooster crows. So you've got this group of followers that have been totally committed to Jesus for the past three years. And in the last five minutes, two of the 10 have dropped off. I'm really bad at math, so I'm not going to do it's like like 25 15%, I don't know, something like that. But a decent chunk of these disciples are just like going to up and and turn against Jesus. And Jesus says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled," which goes to show you just the the compassionate and loving nature of Jesus because we we listen, we we learned last week that We saw a side of Jesus that we hadn't seen before, where in John 12, he says that my soul is troubled, that we'd seen him do all these miracles, we'd seen him do these incredible teachings, we'd seen him um, heal the sick, and all these things like that. It's the first time where we see Jesus say, my heart is troubled, because he knows what's coming up. He knows what is ahead of him, that this is happening in the shadow of the cross. And here, he's, he's not looking for comfort for himself. He's not saying, hey, why are you guys so down? Like, I'm the one that's going to die. He says, no, 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 don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God, but also believe in me. Now, the way this reads is kind of interesting. There's some varying readings that you can get from this. Um, But one of the things that I think Jesus is doing is almost asking like this rhetorical question. Like, do you believe in God? Right? They're they're strong Jewish men who grew up. Like, of course we believe in God. And He's like, believe in me also. Believe in me also. Like all of this stuff that I have been teaching you up to this point, I am showing you that the Father and I are one. And he goes on to hammer this point home in this chapter. Believe in me as well. Um, and, and this chapter can be broken down into kind of two categories. And, and they basically fall under the umbrella of comfort, where Jesus is comforting them in the sense of his future return, So he's bringing them comfort, and we read this here in 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 verses one through seven that we'll get to. But also, you read that um, Jesus or that the Holy Spirit will be comforting them as Jesus is gone. If you're wondering what the screaming is, we have kids meeting right next behind right behind us in this room. So, um, yeah, it might be uh, your your grandchild. Um, But I promise everyone is safe over there. Right, so um, there shouldn't be anything crazy. Going on, but you've got two basic categories of Jesus being the Comforter in His future return, and the Holy Spirit's going to be the comforting um, Comforter while Jesus is gone. And so these are kind of the, the big themes, if you will, of this two of these uh, of this chapter. And so Jesus says, "In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you?" Now I grew up in the '90s, the pinnacle of Christian music with the likes of DC Talk and Newsboys and Audio Adrenaline. Have you guys ever heard of the song Big House by Audio Adrenaline? Yeah, come and go with me to my father's house. Big, big house, lots and lots of room. Big, big table with lots and lots of food. No, you're shaking your head. It's a fantastic song. Um, I think I'm going to sing it uh, as an offertory this Sunday as we take up offering. But uh, you're like, it's grunts. Yeah, I wouldn't. No, but... uh, it's it's where this this that song comes from. If you have people say Jesus is preparing a place for me, it's it's John 14. And what's interesting is like people are like I've got a mansion. The the reading of this is more like a presidential suite in the hotel of God is kind of what this is, right? That that we are centered around the glory of God and we are in these rooms um, around Him. So it's not like a mansion, but it is a very uh, I guess luxurious presidential suite, if you will. But just just kind of interesting to note there, but. Um, as Jesus is is saying this to them, um, he's basically saying, hey, he's bringing them comfort that I've got to go away. I've got to leave. But don't let your hearts be troubled because if if I'm telling you that I'm going to prepare a place for you, why would I waste my time doing that if I'm not going to come back to you? And so you can have comfort in the fact that I am leaving um, in this moment. You can have comfort in that fact that we will be together again. And he says, you know, you know where I am going. And we have a second interruption or second question from the evening where we've got Thomas. We had Peter earlier in chapter 13 ask Jesus some questions. Now we have Thomas. And Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Which is a legitimate question. If I were to say, hey, I'm gonna leave from here and you guys just meet up with me. Like, Are you going north? Are you going east? Like, You know how to get there. I don't know what direction you're like, Tell me. And we get to this point where Jesus says something that we're very familiar with. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's one of the the, the several I am statements that Jesus gives in the book of John. And so I want to ask us if we can see, if we can collectively come up with the I am statements that Jesus says in the book of John. And we have, there's a hint. We just read one. Like just now. And then Pastor Justin talked about one on Sunday. So there's two out of the, the six. Um, so we've got, I am the way, the truth, and the life found in John 14. What are, the, what are the things that Jesus said, I am? I am what? Do what? Son of, man. Son of man. Yeah. So that is, I think that's in Matthew or Mark. That was like his, his uh, one of his favorite terms for him. Um, so he did say that, but he said several things like, I am... The way, the truth, and life. I am the bread, of life. the bread of life. Yeah, in John 6 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Again, yeah, so that's one of the I am statements. Um, what else? Ten. What's up? 10. Ten? Yeah, it says I am. In the Do what? I am in the Father. Yeah, so yeah, he says these things. Sorry, I should clarify. Um, that is not an incorrect answer. It's not the answer we're looking for though, Phil, and I apologize. No, um, but there are, there are these, what would scholars would call the I am statements. Anyone else? Jesus said, I am a lot of things. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Yeah. And John 10 is absolutely one. Um, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we've got, I'm the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth and the life. What else do we have? I am the true vine in John fifteen five. Yeah, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We've got, let's see here. I think we've got two more. Yep, yeah, yeah. I am the light, yeah. So that was the one in 8.12. I am the light of the world. Um, Again, D, that's a correct answer. Not what we're looking for tonight, all right? No. Um, And we've got one more that we are... we got one more? Get them all? Yeah, we got one more. Jesus was talking to uh, Mary and Martha after the death of their brother. John 11.25. I am the resurrection and the life. So you've got these, these I am statements. Yeah, he did say, talk to the scribes and Pharisees before Moses uh, was, I am, right? And so he, he did say, I am the son of man. Um, he said all of these things, but in, in, if we talk about the I am statements um, listed in John, these are the ones that would be considered those that would fall under that category. So it's kind of confusing because he's like, I said, I am a lot of things, right? He's like, yes, he did say that. He said, I am a lot of things, but as far as the I am statements, they are these ideas of these physical realities, right? I am bread. I am light. I am a shepherd. Um, I am the truth, life. I'm the vine. So these these kind of physical realities that, that um, encompass who he is uh, in the spiritual reality. We might look at some of those in the upcoming weeks. Uh, it might be kind of interesting to look at some of those. But we're going to look at this one real quick in John 14, 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? That's how a lot of us would read that. And um, we say that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. That is not an incorrect reading of that passage at all. All those things are true, but I think um, maybe putting things in a different perspective uh, would be a reading along these lines, I am the way to God because I am the truth. I am the way to God because I am the life. Um, that, that he is exclusively the way to the Father. Paul writes in Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, five, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Paul is, is speaking before the scribes and the elders in the book of Acts. Um, Acts 4.12, it says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So what Jesus is saying here is that I am the way. Um, it's consistent throughout the New Testament, that God has provided a single way to him, and it's through Jesus. Uh, we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves followers of Christ. Um, that, the, the first phrase that they were known by, they were, they were called followers of the way. Um, in Acts uh, uh, 9, 2, I believe it is, um, it says when Saul is persecuting the Christians, um, that he is looking for people who are following the way. That Jesus is the way. Um, and, and because he is the way, he is also the truth, right? He is the true revelation, the true manifestation of God. He is, it, we looked at John 1, 1, the very first midweek. Um, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That Jesus is the true word of God, God, John 1:14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father full of grace and truth, that he is the way because he is the truth. If he is not the truth, then he's not the way. If he's not the truth, then there's got to be some other truth out there that is going to be the way. He is the way because he is the truth. He is the way because he is the life, because in him we have eternal life. John 1, 4, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. John 3, 15, whoever believes in him, in who? Jesus, may have eternal life. And we already mentioned this I am statement, but Jesus talking to her, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, right? It's a little, it's a, it's a small difference, but maybe it puts a little bit of a different spin. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. That is not wrong, that is not incorrect at all. But if we understand, okay, why is he the, tr- why is he the way? Because he is the truth. Why is he the way? Because he is the the life. You see how it, may, it it adds some color to this picture a little bit more. We're going to skip down to, to verse 12, We're going to verses 12 through 14. Um, a lot of you are probably very, very familiar with this passage. John four, 14, uh, verses 12 through 14. Truly, truly. Now, whenever you read that, whenever Jesus says truly, truly, it's amen, amen. It's, hey, this is super true, right? Listen to this, pay attention to this. Like, red lights, all right, I need to pay attention to what Jesus is about to say. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. How many of you guys have heard this passage before? Yeah. We, we hold on to this passage a lot. Um, let me ask you guys a question. Whenever I read the verse, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, where does our mind go? It's all right. Just what? Healing. Thank you. My, that's anyone else? Anyone else's mind go to healing? This isn't a setup. This isn't like, he's going he's gonna to do it. Mean, I've been here too many times. I know he's going to do something. right? But that's where my mind goes too. Greater works will he do than me. Like, yes, cool. I want this person to be healed. Like, this says I will be able to do greater works than he. Now, here's what we have to be mindful of and careful of is we can read verses like this. Um, A a passage in Matthew 18 reads somewhat similar that that can make us think that that we have a blank check to to just ask. If we just ask in Jesus' name and we have enough faith, then that lottery ticket's going to hit, Right? And we're like, well, Michael, don't, like, I'm praying for something good, right? So I, I would give most of it away. Like, that'd be a great thing for me as well. And so we have to be careful to think that it's like a blank check to just do whatever we want. Um, and we, we talked about earlier that this chapter is broken down into this overall theme of comfort, right? That, that Jesus has been with them. He is leaving. He's comforting them in the fact that I am going to return. And then he, he starts to say something else that he's about to get into when it comes in in regards to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's starting to get into that, but he says, um, greater works will you do because I'm going to the Father. Now, when we think of the works of Jesus, like I said, a lot of times we think of healing. That's what we think of. Jesus's ministry did not just consist of healing. That his works here on earth were proclaiming the kingdom of God while he was here. Now, I've said this before, and just to cover, cover myself, just lest you think, like, I think that God doesn't still do miracles. I, I have seen God do the impossible. I have seen God do miracles. Um, I have seen God do things that I cannot explain. I am fully convinced, and you cannot convince me otherwise, that God does not do the impossible, that he does not still heal people, that he does not still do the miraculous. One of the gifts of the Spirit is the gifts of healing, right? That I believe that some people have that gift, absolutely. Um, but with that in mind, so with that, with, with that out there, um, we have to understand that his works consisted more than just of healing. Um, that, that that's where our mind goes but even in the miracles of Jesus, we have to see that they pointed to a couple things. They pointed to the validity of him being the son of God, right? Yeah? And they pointed to something else as well. They pointed to these spiritual realities as well. Um, if, if we look at, for just for a couple of examples, we look at him open up the eyes of the blind. That's an incredible miracle. But Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Acts 26, 16 and 18. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things to which you have seen me and those in which I will appear to you delivering you from the people and from Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That there is this, this reality as well of, hey, I'm opening up their physical eyes, but also this spiritual awakening of our eyes to be able to see the things of God. And that the miracles weren't just, that's cool. One, it pointed that he was the son of God, but two is there was a spiritual reality behind it. Um, we talk about the raising of the dead that, that Jesus did. There's a spiritual reality there of him bringing us back to life, Ephesians 2, 4-6. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him, seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." In 1 John five twelve. whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It would be really um, interesting, I'll leave it at that word, for me to think that I would do greater in power and scope miracles in the Son of God. You fed 5,000, I'm going to feed 50,000. You walked on water, I'm going to walk on air. Like, are you like But we always go to healing for some reason. We don't look at these other miracles, so it's like we want to cherry pick. And, and most, most serious scholars, and, and I, I read some guys that are super conservative, but I also, just to kind of cover a basis, I read guys that, that lean um, a, little bit, um, a little bit more uh, Pentecostal or charismatic, if you will. Um, most of them agree that this saying is not Jesus referring to us doing greater in the sense of power, but greater in the sense of quantity? That there is that that because, because he is going away, he is sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in the lives of believers, that we are able to minister to millions through the through the years, minister to millions, billions of people, um, that they have experienced the works that Jesus did, the grace, the mercy, the compassion, healing as well. I'm not gonna say that because there has been healing, but all of that is pointing to the glory of God. That through the centuries, the number of people that have been reached and preached to has been greater than what Jesus did while he was here on earth. If we want to look at the day of Pentecost when Peter goes out filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he preaches. And I don't know if we have an exact number of the people that were following Jesus while he was here on earth, um, it talks about that there were 70 that were super close, and a lot he had, he had a lot of people that came around that were close to him, right? Um, that were, he fed 5,000, he fed 4,000 at some point. Um, but those crowds weren't with him when he was being crucified. So how many were truly following him? But in one swoop, Peter preaches by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you've got 3,000 people that are reached and that are changed. It seems like in, in one instance that Peter does a greater work than Jesus, that more people believe in that moment than Jesus did. Now, did the apostles do miracles? Yes, they did. Read through the book of Acts, see what happens. They did some incredible things, but the thrust of their ministry was the proclamation of the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, the spreading of the gospel. And so, so when we read verses like this, we just have to be careful, like, does God still heal? Yes, according to his perfect will and his perfect timing. Absolutely, he does. I 100% and fully believe that. Okay? Like, like, I have to believe it. Like, I, I Why? Why? You're like, I didn't hear what she said, because of my son. However, when we pray in Jesus' name, we have to remember a few things. That when we pray in Jesus' name, it is not for personal gain. It is for his purposes and his kingdom to come to pass, right? That when we pray in Jesus' name, it is not on the basis of our own merits, It's not on the basis of what we've done. It's based on him, his works, and his righteousness. Okay? And when we pray in Jesus' name, it is always in pursuit of his glory and not our own. And so these are things we have to keep in mind when we're praying in Jesus' name. We pray. And we pray for people to be healed. But at the same time, we understand that it is his kingdom, his purpose, his will that we are seeking above all else. So as we are, are kind of closing out tonight, we're going to read just a few passages um, that end this chapter. John 14, we're going to start in verse 15 and read down there. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you and me and I in you, and whoever whoever, keep, whoever sorry, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and the Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him, and whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them neither be afraid. So in these last passages of John 14, we see these different blessings, these different promises that Jesus gives to his disciples. And we're going to run through these um, really quick. Jesus says this. He says that, uh, ask and I will, uh, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So we have this supernatural helper, if you will, in the in the, uh, uh, the Greek, the word "another" is um, another of the same kind. That we have the Spirit of Christ. We have the third person of the Trinity, right? In perfect unity with the Father, in perfect unity with the Son. Sorry, um, comes alongside, encourages, strengthens. It's interesting to know how many of you, does anyone's Bible say "comforter"? I will send you a comforter. Anyone say "comforter"? Have you guys ever heard that when in regards to the Holy Spirit, I will send you a comforter. Where does our mind go when we think of someone needing comfort? Right, come here, baby, let me kiss your boo-boo, right? You hurt yourself, right? You're sad. Um, in, in a sense, the Holy Spirit does do that. Um, but that word comforter comes from the, the King James language, and that language is a lot more closely tied to the Latin than it is um, to ours, so it misses, so we kind of miss some of the context. But the two, the two Latin words come together to mean with strength. Um, and so a comforter is not necessarily someone who, who wipes away like tears after the battle, but it's someone who gives you strength for the battle. Um, And so when we read like a comforter, think of someone that is empowering you. Now, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you, right? The Holy Spirit is there. It is the Spirit of Christ, and you see Christ in his ministry comforting people, um, being there ministering to the hurting and the lost. The Holy Spirit does that, but when we read the word comforter, we've got to think of this this, um, empowering, um, strengthening us for the battle that we are uh, about, about to face. So the Holy Spirit's Um, encourages, it strengthens, it comes alongside us, um, it convicts us, um, and it indwells the spirit or the lives of believers. Romans 8, 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirits. If the spirit, uh, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. So we have this supernatural helper. We also have this supernatural life. Um, In verse 18 and 19, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. There's a few ways that you can understand this. Uh, One, you can understand it in the sense that, hey, um, I am not going to leave you, right? That I'm going to be resurrected, I'm going to come back to you. It's one way. You can read it in the sense that I will not leave you, I will come back to you in the sense of um, his second coming. Um, You can also read it, I will not leave you, I will come to you in the sense of him giving us his Holy Spirit in the context of kind of what he's talking about, that we are not walking around lost without a guide, but we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ living in us, Um, that there is this idea that I'm going to go away, all right, and this is the part where we get into the aspect of the Holy Spirit comforting us now where the Holy Spirit is the one guiding us and leading us and teaching us. Um, And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me, but you will see me no more. Because I live, you also will live. That we have this supernatural life. One, that we are empowered by the Spirit of Christ. But two, after death, we have this promise and hope of an eternal life. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So we have a helper. um, We have a supernatural life and we have a supernatural relationship. Verse 20 um, and 21 has that language that if you're in me, I'm in Christ and and he's in me and I'm in you and all this stuff. And... um, he says, I'm in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. And I, w- I want us to understand the significance here, that the wording may be a little bit odd, but every person who believes in Christ, you're not just believing in him, you are in him, that you, and he is dwelling in us, um, that we are believing into Christ, if you will, um, that if you're a Christian, you're in Christ. If I'm a Christian, I'm in Christ. And so we don't just have a union with Christ. We have this supernatural relationship with one another, that there is this unity that comes in the body of Christ. Why? Because we are unified. We have all believed in Christ. It's not like, I know Jesus, and you have Jesus, and you have Jesus, but we're all separate. No, 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 we are believing into Christ. And so so that should put aside this hatred or disdain that we have for someone in this room. If I'm like, hey, Tyler, I can't stand you. Wow. I'm not just sinning against you. I'm sinning against who you are in as well. If I'm like, I hate you. Can't stand you. Guess you're in Christ. So I'm not just sinning against you, but I'm sinning against this relationship that, that, is, that is this supernatural relationship as well. And, and so there needs to come a unity with the believers because we all have this common theme that we are chasing after, which is that we all believed into Christ. Um, and Jesus talks about this relationship that those who love me will do what? Keep my commandments. And he emphasizes this several times in these few passages. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Those who love me will do what I say. And we got to understand something that those who love him will do what he say, but those who don't love him are unable to do what he says. They don't want anything to do with the things of God. You know, we hear things like, yeah, Jesus is cool, but okay, well, like, it's kind of an all or nothing thing. There's none of this like toe in the water when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. That those who are in Christ will do what they say because they love him, and those who are not, are not. They're unable to. Um, I've talked about this before, but the Bible tells us that we are hostile to the things of God, that we are enemies with God. Um, And so it's this supernatural relationship that we have. Then we have a supernatural teacher. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I want you to think about the times that you've read the Bible and you're like, man, these disciples just don't get it. They are dumb. Even in in the Last Supper, um, um, Jesus is talking to uh, the disciples and Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and, and it is enough. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Like, this is, this is Jesus' swan song. He is leaving the earth, and Philip's like, hey, just show us the Father. And Jesus is like, you still don't get it. Like, up until his last moment, they are still missing the boat. But what happens when they're empowered by the Holy Spirit? We get the New Testament, this divinely inspired word of God. These people who could not understand what was happening their lives have been now illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching them and calling back to to memory what God or what Jesus taught them while they were here on earth. And you get these deep spiritual truths and these deep spiritual realities that are, are listed in the pages of the Bible written by these guys who not too long ago didn't understand a single thing about who Jesus was, but now they're pouring out the words of God. And that same teacher is available to us that's helping us understand the Word of God and opening up our hearts and our minds to the Word of God. That it's not just a teacher for those disciples, but it's a teacher for us and helping us and bringing back to remembrance the things we've studied. We have a supernatural teacher. And the last thing that Jesus leaves is is one one of my favorites. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That He leaves us with a supernatural peace. That we talk about, you know, when when uh, Donald Trump was president, there was peace in the Middle East between these Abraham Accords, right? And then a few years later, it's kind of rocky. Like worldly peace is temporary and fading. You know, we think of peace as just a lack of turmoil, but this word peace. Is, is a much uh, a deeper understanding of what it means is it's not just a, a lack of turmoil and problem, but it's this, this blessing, especially in regards to a relationship with God, that, there, that there is, we have been given peace with God through Jesus and that this war, this, this battle that we were fighting against God, which was kind of in vain because we aren't going to win that, um, has been ceased and we are now at peace with God because of what jesus did what an incredible incredible statement that jesus says i give you peace not a lack of problems because we're going to read later that jesus says hey in this world you're going to have problems so he's not contradicting himself in in 30 minutes of speaking but he there's this understanding that i have given you a peace with god and because you have a peace with god you can have you can now have the peace of god that philippians 4 6 and 7 says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That we have this supernatural peace that has come because Christ has given us a peace with God. And all of this is happening with the cross just hours away, with this trial just hours away, with the beating. Just hours away, and Jesus is not saying, Hey, I need you guys to give me hugs and comfort me and make me feel better. He's saying, No, 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 no. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving you with peace. Let's pray. Father, we for you this evening. God, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truths that are revealed to us in the pages of Scripture. And God, I pray that as we walk out of here, God, that we would walk changed, not because of anything I said, but because your word has cut us and exposed us, God, and shown us areas. Um, that needed to be changed. God, be with us. God, we thank you. Thank you for the power of your spirit that, that lives in us. God is guiding us, directing us, and empowering us to face whatever it is that comes our way. God, we love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.